for the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. Coming up today, Jake Sanderson, did he just call his shot a little? Let's discuss that. What does Tim Stutzla do for an encore? He self-evaluates what he thinks he needs to improve on for the coming year. The Sens replace their chief professional scout and beef up hockey operations. And can former Senator Colin White jumpstart his career in Pittsburgh? That and much more coming up today here on the program. It is Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Greg, how are you today? I am good, Steve. It was a good Blue Jay weekend. I'm sure you, and, and hey, it was a good day for the Packers. Oh, great day. Jordan Love looked really good. My Dolphins looked good. Uh, even the Cowboys looked good, didn't they? Hammered the Giants. It's a good weekend of football. It's a good weekend of baseball. Now we just need to add a good weekend of hockey in a couple of weeks. Wasn't such a great weekend of football. If you're talking Red Blacks, a lot of the Ooh. Ottawa Senator players were lined up watching the Red Blacks blow an important game to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And I was thinking about that. Like, is it some new NHL team building exercise that you take all the boys, go out to watch the local team play terrible football because the yeah. New York Rangers were at the Giants game where they got mauled by the Dallas Cowboys 40 to nothing. So that's, you know, you're a Hockey Canada guy. You've done uh, Hockey Canada clinics in the past. Like, that's that's uh, that's interesting team building, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's about the get, the guys getting together and bonding. It's not about what they're there watching, right? Right. I guess. Right. Well, I was surprised they weren't in a box. Uh, they, they were in the bleachers for crying out loud. I mean, good good on them. It was interesting watching. Uh, at one clip they showed was Shabbat in a deep conversation with Timmy Stu. I think he was explaining the rules of the game, and maybe Timmy Stu's not exactly a football guy, which would make sense. He's being German yeah. and all, but I, th- I thought it was cool to see them there. It was. Uh, it is a team building exercise, and, and actually, in this case, it wouldn't have even been the team. I'm sure the players decided on their own, "Hey, let's go to the game," and off they went. Yep, there was uh, Kachuk was there. It was interesting. The three guys who are likely to be responsible for 90 percent of the Senators' fights this year, Kachuk, <laughs> McEwen, and Castellick were all sitting together having a great old laugh at a couple of pints. Uh, I also noticed that with Stutzla and Shabbat having a conversation. At one point, Stutzla, and you're right, it looked like Shabbat was explaining things on the field to him. And at one point, Stutzla kind of just surprisingly goes, what? Like really shocked and amazed by something Shabbat had said. And I was trying to figure out what might that be. And I was thinking, is it the Rouge rule? Is it maybe, uh, I don't know, being first and goal three times from the one-yard line? He was shocked that they couldn't do that when the other team's one yard off the ball. Maybe something in there. I don't know. But there was one guy that was to the left of Shabbat at the end of the row. Had no idea who that was. But, uh, yeah, everybody else pretty familiar and neat to see the fellas getting together for a pint. Cool. Yeah, it was. And, actually, yep. you brought up you brought up clinics. I'm, I'm, I'm on the road this weekend. I've got a Dev One teaching this weekend. Oh, nice. First, first nice. one of the season. Yeah, coming up this Saturday. So anybody and who's going to the Dev One at, uh, at the Amped uh, Sports Center on Saturday, I'll see you there. Very good. Very good. Uh, let's get to it. We got lots to get to here. And let's start it out with this because in our last episode, we finished up. And then, as is tradition, Greg, something <laughs> cool happened right after we recorded the program. And that was, in this case, Jake Sanderson's mini news conference, the media scrum, where they're asking him all kinds of questions about his new eight-year contract worth over $8 million a year. And at one point, 
He's asked about the chemistry in the room, and I thought he showed a lot of bravado in the statement that he made. You see the chemistry in the in the locker room. Um, it's something that will be here for a while, and I think um, we're going to win within the next couple of years. We know that, so um, and I want to be here for it. So that's the, that's the main thing when you, while you play hockey is to win the Stanley Cup. So, um, you know, that group in there, we're ready for it. I love that. Jake Sanderson saying he thinks they're going to win in the next couple of years. And I kind of, when I first heard that, said, well, maybe he's just talking about winning in general, a winning record. But then he immediately goes to talking about Stanley Cups. And I'm like, yes, that is way better than meaningful games. (laughs) Yeah. He didn't say, yeah, you know, we got a good group here. We're going to be playing some meaningful games this year. No, no. He, he, He said what we want Pierre to say. But he went even beyond that. We just want Pierre to say, we'd be happy if Pierre would say we're going to be in the playoffs this year. But here's right. here's uh, good old Sandy. He comes right out with it. Yeah, within a couple of years, we're going to win a Stanley Cup. I'm there, bud. Let's yeah. see it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it, it surprised me a little because to this stage, Sanderson has seemed, with the media at least, a little bit reserved, maybe a little on the shy side, and then just all of a sudden steps up and hammers one out of the park like that. Kind of took me, uh, took me aback a little bit. But... Uh, you know, in fairness to Pierre Dorian, and I keep giving him a hard time about the meaningful games thing, he did say on TSN 1200 earlier this summer that in training camp, you know, this is what I'll say right now, I'm going to play the meaningful games card again, which he has been in recent seasons. But once we get to training camp, then I'll give you a better estimate or projection or however you want to say it. So in fairness, I expect that to come. I swear, if meaningful games happens again, I mean, I don't know, Greg. <laughs> I may have to call the podcast off. I may just have to retire the whole podcast and uh, and just be done with it. Okay, that's what we're doing. It's got, the you got to glory. talk more definitively about something. <laughs> it's the years of glory time. What's the, I always forget the other one. What was it again? Unparalleled success. That's it. Okay, it's unparalleled success time. Never mind this meaningful games crap. Let's see it. Let's yeah. do it. I'm ready. Come on. Yeah. This and is and can year. we take a, Can we take a second? About the unparalleled success and the spending to the cap for all of the grief that the late Eugene Melnick rightly deserves. He did follow through to some degree because I think I've heard I've seen the last few days about Sanderson. Yeah, Michael Andlauer finally the spending to the cap. Well, let's 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 not forget that Shabbat was under Eugene Melnick's uh, well on his bank account. Brady Kachuk, Josh Norris. Drake Batherson, Colin White didn't work out, but that was a big expenditure as well. And that was all on Eugene Melnick's dime. I'm not here to throw a party for Eugene Melnick. However, yeah, and Murray, the intent was there. I'm not here to throw a party for Eugene Melnick by any stretch of the imagination, but he does deserve credit for following through on that vow he had about five years ago when the season ticket holders and the corporate investors all showed up to a big party and he said those words, unparalleled success, spending to the cap by around 2021-22. And sure enough, that's been happening. So he does yep. deserve some credit for that. They've stuck to the plan. The only thing that didn't right. happen was success on the ice. That's the only thing that hasn't right. happened. Everything else yep. has been there. And uh, yep. and, and to, to the point that now they're a cap team, for crying out loud. They're over the cap. They've got work to do to, to get Shane Pinto signed and, and under the cap. So we'll see how that works out in the future. But uh, for now, they're a cap team. And yep. good for them. And it's gonna get it's gonna get trickier next year when you think about it with Jake Sanderson's deal actually kicking in. And then you've got got other guys who will have their hands out. They're not looking for pay cuts. 
guys like Tarasenko, guys like Kubalik, and then you have guys who will be eligible for extensions like Jacob Chikrin and Claude Giroux. The cap situation may be tricky now. They're going to be even trickier next summer. Nice problem to have, though. Oh, it's yeah. perfectly all right. It's a good problem to have. Yeah, that's what you want to have if you're a head coach in the NHL. It's a new problem, and uh, DJ Smith will take it all day long. Moving on to Tim Stutzlin, and of course, he's uh, I- intrinsically, is that a word? I'll go with it, uh, linked with Jake Sanderson from the 2020 draft. The Sens hit a home run in 2020, getting those guys at number three and number five overall. They're, as we've talked about, you mentioned it before, they're looking like they are number one and number two if you're redrafting today, no question about it. And at the same time, at the bargaining table, the Sens hit a home run as well. So, um, I mean, just to take care of both of those guys before they're about to really erupt, and I think everybody expects a big year out of Sanderson as well, maybe not the improvement that Stutzley showed last year, but, uh, I mean, they've handled everything perfectly. They got the right guys, and now they're doing all the right things at the bargaining table. It's hard to imagine Stutzler improving too much on his season last year at 90 points, but I think at 21, uh, I, I, sh- I take that back. It's not hard to imagine at all, actually. <laughs> but in self-evaluating on Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick's uh, podcast, 32 Thoughts, uh, Tim Stutzler had some interesting comments about the things he'd like to improve on. I think uh, being able to play in every situation, uh, even playing when the game's on the line, um, if we are down a goal, if we're up a goal, I think that's getting better at my two-way game. I think that's that's going to be a really important part of our team. Uh, I think right now with Josh and Pinto and Kasselik, uh, we are really strong down the middle, and I think that's going to be really important for us uh, winning games. And um, yeah, I mean, just just getting better in every every kind of aspect uh, in the game. And I think um, I'm still so young, so I can get way stronger, uh, getting quicker, uh, faster, and uh, just trying to uh, understand the game in the game even more, uh, kind of trying to pre-scout the other players, uh, doing more about the goalies. And I think there's still a lot of upside. He really is coming along. His English is getting better and better, and his poise with the media is getting better and better. And... He said all the right things there, and he knows his weaknesses, and they're weaknesses we've talked about here before on the show. But, uh, I mean, just so surrounded, so well insulated. You know, a guy like Claude Giroux to learn from, I mean, he's in a perfect situation here, isn't he? Yeah, and and, and the sky's the limit. He's, yep. Is he a 50-goal scorer someday? Uh, I don't know about that, but he's a 100-point man for sure. I don't know while well, playing with a one-goal one lead late in the game – the names he rhymed off and the one he didn't, Giroux, are all better on the draw. Like that's that's yeah. what hurts his chances of getting on the ice late in the game down by a goal. He's got to get better in the faceoffs, and, and uh, he's got the people there to help him. And that's that's one area where I see he could definitely improve is is on the draw. His defensive zone work has improved exponentially over the last couple of seasons, simply because he's so quick with his stick. If he gets in the right position and 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 plays it properly down low, he can he can pick off passes, he can steal pucks, he can get pucks out. So uh, he's gotten much better in his own zone. Uh, but I think it's more about the offense. The offense is going to get better and better and better. He's going to produce at a higher rate starting this season. He's he's a he's a potential hundred point guy this year. Let's get you to put your coach's hat on. What does it mean to have Josh Norris back for oh. Tim Stutzla in terms of the attention? 
that other coaches and their best checkers will be putting on Stutzla. Now they've got a 1A, 1B situation. Well, it's it's nights where you, let's face it, in the past this team has not had good checking lines. So you've almost been forced into playing one versus one, the, the you know, top line versus top line, to try to at least even it out. Now you don't right. have to. Like let's uh, Josh Norris and whoever he plays with can easily play against a number one line, and that allows you to play uh, Stutzla and Kachuk and whoever Giroux probably. That allows you to play them against second lines or even or even third lines. You know, you you're not so concerned with having to get the matchup up top because you know you've got a one B or a second line, whatever you want to call it, that can take on a top line. It just it frees up opportunities for you to lose, use Stutzla uh, in in better in situations that are more apt and more conducive to point producing. Yeah. If I'm an opposing coach, I looked at the Ottawa Senators through most of last year after Josh Norris's injury, as in shut down Tim Stutzla and let's challenge Shane Pinto and his line to beat us. Such a big drop off. Love Pinto and he's going to keep closing that gap, but he is still a distant third in terms of centers on this team. And, uh, when Josh Norris is now slotted in there, uh, you can't say that as the opposing coach anymore. Suddenly you're going, uh, I can load up on one side, but uh, that other that other line might end up uh, taking us down. So anyway, some interesting comments from Tim Stutzla. We need to take a time out of the program. When we return, we will get into the big hires today. There was some hires in the hockey operations department. Oh, they're big hires, but hires all the same, and they've replaced their chief professional scout, Jim Clark. We'll talk about Colin White signing on in Pittsburgh. And Jason York, whose brother Jeff is a minority incoming owner, says that the next CEO slash president is pretty much a fait accompli. We'll get to it after these words. Introducing the all-new 2023 Ford Bronco Sport, now available at Jim K. Ford. With its rugged design and off-road capabilities, this SUV is built for adventure. Whether you're heading off the beaten path or just cruising around town, the Bronco Sport delivers performance, comfort, and style. With four-wheel drive, terrain management system, and advanced safety technology, you can take on any road with confidence. Adventure awaits at 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans or JimKFord.com. At Jim K. Ford Lincoln. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, don't forget, you can check out the Hockey News Ottawa page. It's brand new for the new season ahead. I'm your site editor, and the website address is THN.com slash Ottawa. Writing up a storm this week, including something that broke on Monday, and that the Senators have a new professional chief scout, Greg. They have a new assistant coach, and they have their first full-time analytics hire and i'll give you the names jim clark is out as professional chief scout we're not sure why didn't say anything about it in the statement today only that he's shuffled back to just a pro scout and now rob murphy elevated to the top job so he's running the show as far as professional uh scouting goes and you know analyzing potential uh nhl trades and things you got a new assistant coach in ben sexton and you've got your first full-time analytics hire, worst kept secret in town, being Sean Turney from Sport Logic in Montreal. So, where do you want to start there, and maybe start at the beginning with the uh, the news of those three that uh, that most makes an impact on you? Uh, the analytics makes a big uh, difference to me. Uh, yes, the Senators have used uh, Sport Logic in the past. 
but but only as a client of of the company, right? They had they had one sort of part time guy running their analytics department who consulted with uh, Tim Pattison, who essentially is a, is a video coach or the head video coach or whatever you want to call him. Um, so well, he's the director of hockey video. operations now. We should correct that. Correct. He is now. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, he's been the but video back coach then. I'm sorry. Yeah. 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 So you've got. You've got a department now, <laughs> you know, there's one guy in it uh, for now. I assume that the, whoever was working part-time in analytics is is still there. And let's see them round out that staff. We've, we've said this before, um, the numbers, the math, the stats, they only, they only serve to help you. It shouldn't be the be-all and end-all, but it's just one more tool you can use in helping you evaluate, in helping you make decisions as to, you know who's in the lineup tonight? Who plays against who? Who plays in what situations? Uh, to who do you draft? To who do you sign as a free agent? To your, your the whole professional scouting side. Analytics comes into every single department within hockey operations, and it's nice that there is now someone in charge of it as a full time employee here in Ottawa. I don't want to make you sound like the guy from Moneyball that's arguing with the Brad Pitt character, Billy Bean, his chief scout. He looks like he's about 70 years old and he wants to do it the way it's always been done. Doesn't believe in money ball or analytics or anything like that. Fights it tooth and nail. But I'm going to ask you the question anyway. If you're Pierre Dorian, you're the GM of the Ottawa Senators. You've got the analytics guy now in Sean Tierney. You want something evaluated. Maybe it's a player you're interested in. By percentage, how much will you be swayed by what Sean Tierney has to say? I think his input is about 25% of my decision-making. You've, you've, mm. you've caught me completely cold here on this question, Steve. Thanks for that. Sorry. Um, I think the eye test plays into it. I think background check plays into it. You, you need to do some sort of in-depth analysis, uh, background phone calls, talk to people who've coached him, played with him. Um, and obviously your eye test is part of that. I think basic everyday stats play a part of that. And then your analytics play a part of that. So yeah. I, I'm sort of separating standard stats from analytics in-depth stats. Each of those is about 25%. Your eye test is 25%. And your background check, your character study, your references, if you will, that's about 25%. I think that if I'm making those calls, I'm putting way more stock in what the former teammates have to say than any executive or any coach that has been with this player before because players can be very gracious when it comes to people who can hire and fire them, who are responsible for them getting ice time and responsible for them getting money, it's teammates. If you can get a hold of the teammates you, you and you, you trust them, uh, those players will really, in all likelihood, if you can get them alone and, and, and they trust you trust each other, you'll get the real deal more frequently from a teammate than you will from any of the higher-ups. Would you agree with that? I, I, I do and I don't. There are times, okay. yes, let's, let's not fool ourselves into – uh, players, they're, they're like anybody else. When you're talking about your coworkers, there's a, there's a line between he's my buddy or he, he's, he's a guy who works here. He's a coworker. And when somebody's your friend, you often don't see the, the negatives or you dismiss them much easier than if he's not your friend. And that's mm-hmm. an everyday walk of life. And it's, it's no different with athletes. Some guys, my buddy, he's the guy I room with. He's the guy I travel with. He's the guy I have dinner with then my opinion of him as the hockey player is skewed in the, in that way. It's, it's right. look at it, even in a minor hockey setting where you're going to have a vote for captain, how often is the vote for captain 
everybody's favorite guy and not necessarily the guy who's the leader. So it's a part of it. I agree with you that, that it's a part of the evaluation process here is getting feedback from teammates as well as coaches and, like you said, management and scouts and stuff. But uh, not necessarily is it 100% accurate. Let's put it that way. You have to be taking them with a grain of salt at every level, really, because there can be uh, yeah, potential flies in the ointment for some of the reasons that, uh, that you indicated there. Um, also, I like the idea... The symmetry of it, as someone who's been covering this team since day one, um, to have a sexton and bonus combination now in hockey operations, just as they did 30 years ago. You know, you had uh, Randy Sexton as the GM. He came in and replaced Mel Bridgman by season two. And Rick Bonus was in season two of, I think, his three-year reign as head coach of this team as an expansion club. And now both of their sons have meaningful roles in hockey ops. You got Ben Sexton who was today promoted from the Belleville Senators. Uh, he was an assistant coach there. He's going to be an assistant coach now in Ottawa under DJ Smith. And, uh, of course, we know that Ryan Bonus has been here for a couple of years now as the assistant GM. So that's kind of a neat angle to things. And Ben Sexton certainly seems like a guy who is kind of, you know, on his way. I, I hear really good things about the way he is with the players. It's never a bad thing to have young guys who very recently left the game who really will frequently have the ear of some of the players. Yeah. The, the key being, they know what they're doing. All right. Like you're, yeah. you're, you know, you understand this, that separation of, of uh, church and state, that separation of, of buddy, you know, hang out with the players or, okay, I'm the coach. And, and that would appear that that's, that situation is fine here. Um, that's a lot of coaches now, like, holy smokes. There's a lot of assistant yeah. coaches on staff here now. I don't know how DJ's splitting up all the roles, but uh, uh, the more voices in the room, the more help you have making decisions, the better you're going to be in the big picture. I don't know if you remember this, just as an aside here, uh, because we co- both coach minor hockey. Um, I was the, the first time I ever met you was when you came walking into uh, the coach's room because you had the ice after us and you came rolling in and uh, a mutual friend of ours, Ron Graham, He's coached forever here in town. Uh, he basically brought on about six or seven of us as assistant coaches. And when you rolled in and saw the number of coaches that we had, uh, you're giving it to us as well. So I think you're kind of in the head, same headspace now with the Senators. <laughs> well, I, I, but then again, I always had four. But I think okay. Ronnie had like five or six or seven, for God's sake. Yeah. So yeah. I can tell you, I always had, I always wanted to have at least four. So yeah, I remember those days. I don't, I don't remember that specific story, but I was probably wondering which which assistant coach was in charge of coffee and which assistant coach was in charge of uh, Kleenex for for runny noses and and what exactly all your roles were. I'm sure I chirped you guys pretty good. Yeah, no. In fairness, he did a great job because it was all about. And we're getting off topic here, and we'll get back to things yeah. in just a second. But he was one of those coaches that really believed, and and I know you do too. Uh, you know, sm- small ice, small area drills, and so. Yeah. Basically, we had about six ice surfaces going off at once, and uh, we needed the manpower to kind of run each drill and, and uh, correct and instruct and all that. So that was what was going on. It wasn't a case. And that's what will be interesting to see a senator practice. I'm wondering, like like you've just you've just highlighted there, who who's in charge of what? You know, yeah. you, you you you've got all these guys. Plus, you've got the the development guys. And, and here's a scoop. I was told today from a reliable source that it's it's only a matter of time before Alfie is named to be to be the head of the player development department. 
So you've mm-hmm. got coaches there too in in Alfie when he comes in, in uh, Jesse Winchester, Wade Redden's part of that staff. There's somebody else I'm missing who's part of that group. Um, so you, um, you've got. Did you say Sean Donovan? No, nah, Donald's there. That's right. Okay. So you've got Donald there as well. Um, plus, you've got the NHL staff. You've got the. You know the video coach and the assistant video coach and and three or four guys on the bench and it, I, I just keep going back to the same thing. The more voices you have, the more people delivering the same message, the easier it is to get the message across because different right. people will present it in different ways. Different people will say it in different ways. Will will demonstrate in different ways. Will will make connections between this individual player and what we want him to do. Uh, it's just the more people, the more voices, the better it is. So I, I look forward to seeing how it all meshes together, and and I look forward to seeing them play meaningful games. Yeah, that's a great point because it's at every yeah. There you go with the meaningful games again. Sticking in you. But yeah, it's definitely uh, no matter what level of hockey you're talking about, everybody's got different buttons, and uh, sometimes even if you know how you should be with this particular player, it might not be your forte as a communicator. Yeah. This is how I communicate. Like. Yeah, you're just not that guy. You might you might need a, you know a tender touch with certain players. Uh, maybe that's not you, but maybe it's your assistant coach. And so, yeah, it. Uh, I don't think it's a. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's a case of too many cooks spoil the broth. I think that you know I can. I guess you can get if you're getting into double digits. Now we got to talk. We have to have a conversation here now, Greg. But I think that uh, it's not a bad thing that they brought another body on. Um, you mentioned guys who might come on and uh, serial leader. We've mentioned in previous episodes that's certainly been making the rounds for a while that serial leader might be back in some kind of, uh, you know, president or CEO role with the franchise. I guess Jason York on the coming in hot podcast, who's got certain, oh, I'd say good contacts within ownership. Uh, maybe his brother, Jeff, who's a minority incoming owner. He said, uh, Jason did, I should say that uh, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that serial leader will be returning to the franchise and uh, I don't think I've come across anybody yet who didn't think that was an awesome bit of news. Right. And I don't know that I've come across anybody yet who said anything else, any other name, yeah. any other option. He's really, right. he, he's the only guy. I, I floated out, uh, uh, who did I float out one day here with you that I would be happy with either Cyril Leader or uh, Roy Malacker, either, either one. Uh, they did great jobs, both of them. But Cyril is, is the top of the list. Yeah, he's Could it be right Steve guy. Steos potentially? Well, I, I think Steve is is I, I think when Steos arrives, his job is somewhere between president and Pierre Doriel. So I whether agree. whether you know one is vice president, period, and like Cyril, and uh, and Steos is is hockey operations director or head of hockey operations, or maybe it's vice president business and vice president hockey operations. Cause I don't think Cyril's not going to be doing making hockey decisions. So you can certainly have two VPs. I don't see Steos as being GM. I see Steos as being in a place between, uh, uh, between the president, the owner and Pierre Dorio. Right. I bring that up just because Steve Steos was the general manager and the team president with the Hamilton Bulldogs, the team that I believe Michael Landlauer still owns do you think he'll keep that? Do you think he'll? Because I know that Eugene Melnick for a while kept Mississauga, eventually sold it, but I wonder will Andlauer try and juggle both teams that he owns? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would depend on uh, he, from everything I've ever heard or read or seen. He, he's a hands-on guy. He's a he's a present 
owner. Like he's there. He has a presence. Right. He shows up. And I think he'd have a very difficult time trying to do that with two teams at the same time. Right. I, I could see him eventually uh, moving on from, from Hamilton. Well, we're sorry. They're not Hamilton anymore. Are they? They moved. No, Brantford, I, uh, Brantford yeah. um, Bulldogs. Bulldogs. So I, I can see him uh, pulling out of there and just, just sticking here with Ottawa. Cause I think he's going to be a guy who's, who's around a lot. Uh, he's not going to be a type to stick his nose in and tell anybody what to do uh, from a hockey ops side of things, but he is going to be around a lot. I, 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 I'm, I'm positive of that. Any thought before we move away from today's announcements on why Jim Clark's no longer the chief professional scout and they brought up Rob Murphy for, uh, from pro scouting to the top role in pro scouting? I mean, I don't know if there's any Senator fan who hasn't had the take of, well, this team does great in amateur scouting, but man, pro scouting, man, they make a lot of uh, mistakes, it seems like. I don't know if that's true or not. I'd have to go through the whole process, but it certainly seems like they do better on the amateur side, but they've done some good things professionally as well. Um, and Jim Clark's had that role since 2014. I don't know yet. Any idea as to why now? Well, I can only think this, and this is why I think this. I think if, if Pierre Dorian, if the hockey ops people, felt that pro scouting was a problem and, and they weren't doing well, then mm-hmm. somebody would be gone. Somebody right. would lose a job. I got to believe that, you know, Rob Murphy's been there as a pro scout. He's just basically been elevated. Right. Um, if there was, if there was a knocking of heads or a disagreement between Clarkie's leadership and, and, and Rob Murphy's job, uh, then somebody would have lost a job. I got to believe that this is just Jim Clark, uh, retiring or slowing down or, you know, he's not an administrative guy. He's, he's a bird dog. He wants to sit in the stands and not have to file as much paperwork or oversee as much. So somebody would have lost a job if there was a serious problem internally there. I think that's, that's my take on it anyway. Yeah. And it's also possible that Michael Landlauer comes in and meets with everybody and likes the cut of Rob Murphy's jib, likes Jim Clark just fine, but has a feeling about Rob Murphy and elevates him and who knows what's going on behind closed doors right now. And uh, a lot of it is going to be at the whim of Michael Andlauer and his gut instinct and, uh, and what he sees as the right thing for his team, because it is now going to be his team. And I quite frankly think he's been running everything basically since June when the announcement that he was the conditional owner, as I've said all along here, the NHL, obviously, because, you know, like a Jake Sanderson contract, for example, that is going to be paid by Michael Andlauer and his partners. So he should have a say on that because it's all going to be paid by him, not Anna and Olivia Melnick. Um, so that's part of it financially. But even the decisions and the philosophies of the team, he, he should have a hand in that as well. Um, if all things were equal and he didn't know the sellers from a hole in the wall or have any affiliation to them, then he probably wouldn't have a say in philosophy and all that stuff and you know maybe some hirings and firings here. But in this case, where Ann and Olivia Melnick, as the sale is finalized and totally complete and announced officially, Ann and Olivia Melnick immediately become uh, one of his big partners at, at 10%. So, of course, they're going to, I think, I believe anyway, all summer long, they're wide open, ears open, uh, ready to you know help Michael Andlauer transition into this new position as owner of the Ottawa Senators. And I think it, you know, it behooved them to get along. Of course. And and if you're spending a hundred billion dollars or sorry, $1 billion, um, you want to say like, there's no way 
that anything that's gone on in the last two months, there's no way he's been uninvolved. He, he, right. he has to have been involved in everything. He spent the money. It's going to be his team two months from now. So therefore, every decision from that day until two months, which is probably going to be this week, every decision that was made in that time frame, he was consulted. He had something to do with it. Everybody knew he was going to be the owner eventually. So yeah, nothing's gone on here without his say-so, without his yeah. approval in one way or another. Yeah, the 14th of September keeps uh, coming up as a deadline. I know Bruce has floated that out in post-media because Mayor Sutcliffe has scheduled Michael Andlauer to be his special guest for the mayor's breakfast. And uh, we reported that as, we didn't report it, we passed along uh, Bruce's uh, reporting there. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, this is such a big deal. And I, I can't believe they're going to just, you know, hustle it up. Um, I don't think, I don't think it's, I don't think the mayor's breakfast is going to change things in any way, shape or form. It is such a small thing compared to a billion dollar transaction of an NHL franchise. I don't think that the 14th is necessarily, in my opinion, anyway, um, a hot spot or a deadline to try and get this done so that we can continue on with this breakfast. It would be nice, but I can't believe it has anything to do with anything. Certainly could happen by Thursday. I, I have no yep. problem. Hey, it could happen tomorrow. I'm okay. Let's let's do it. I'm ready anytime. Yeah. yeah. My my only point is if it does happen by Thursday, it won't be because Andlauer said, I don't care. Just 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 ram it through. I don't care. I've got to get this mayor's breakfast in. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. A couple more things before we wrap up today. Uh, can former Senator Colin White jumpstart his career in Pittsburgh? As we expected, after languishing in limbo for over two months as an unrestricted free agent, Colin White got a professional tryout agreement with the um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I don't know, do you have any faith? I don't think it'll be at center. They look pretty stacked to me at center, but maybe at winger. Do you think that maybe he can find a, a more permanent home in Pittsburgh and get things going? I would think so. Yeah. yeah I'm sure he'll find a role there. He's he's uh, he's now proven that he can play bottom six minutes and contribute. He, he can play up and down the lineup because he certainly spent some time in the number one line in, in Tampa last year, sorry, in Florida last year. Yep. So he's, he's shown that he can play up and down the lineup. We all know him to be a quality guy. We know him to be a great teammate. Not a single guy has anything bad to ever said about him. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think he can find a spot and certainly play in the bottom six and, and who knows where he, where he moves up and down in that role. Fun fact about Colin White going to the Pittsburgh Penguins. That means it's been two years in a row where Kyle Dubas as a GM of his club has brought in a former Ottawa Senator that the senators are still paying last year was Matt Murray. This year <laughs> it is Colin White. Just a fun okay. fact. Uh, let's close it out though with this TSN.ca. Craig Button talking about that's just a fun little conversation starter, I guess, to close this out. TSN talking about uh, this question. If a Canadian, uh, sorry, let me try that again. If Canadian NHL teams were stocks, which team are you buying? And Craig Button, well, uh, let's say this. He was fairly bullish on the very team that we cover. So when I look at where the Ottawa Senators find themselves, I see massive growth in this stock. And I'm buying. I'm buying lots. I'm not just buying a little bit and hedging my bets. I'm in on the Ottawa Senators. I think they have a great chance to be this year's New Jersey Devils of what they did last season. Buying lots. Wow. Craig is really high on the Ottawa Senators, and that's music to the 
ears of yeah. Sens fans. Uh, what say you if you are buying a Canadian NHL team stock right now? I, I totally agree. I mean, we, we, we talked about this, the two of us, before we started here tonight. Um, Vancouver sucks. I'm not buying any stock in Vancouver. I, I, I hate the Edmonton Oilers, but even then, <laughs> they're, 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 uh, they're, the cost of that stock would be too high. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't care less about Calgary. Winnipeg is floundering. Uh, Toronto is going to cost you too much to buy that stock. The only mm-hmm. two where you can get in maybe a little undervalue and make big money down the road are Ottawa and Montreal. And Montreal is going to take too long for that stock to, for you. if you want to buy low, sell high, Montreal is going to take too long, way too long compared to Ottawa. Ottawa is the number one stock to purchase right now in the Canadian NHL market. Yeah, yeah, I'm totally on the same page with you. Montreal is a penny stock, and it's okay. going to take a long, long time before you see your money back, and maybe it pays off down the road. But the Ottawa Senators right now, I still see it. You know, Sens fans put stuff out on social media, and they get buried by other fan bases. What are you talking about? You guys suck. You haven't been in the playoffs in six years. I don't think the rest of the league is awake yet as it comes to the Ottawa Senators, and uh, I think they're about to find out. Anyway, take it with a grain of salt. I really feel, you know, whatever I felt in the past about this team, how can you not be bullish about them right now? And yeah. uh, and I think that you'll get your money back really quickly if we're to continue along with the stock metaphors. Let's call it quits right there, ladies and gentlemen. Don't forget that our website is sensnationhockey.com. Lots of cool stuff there. Uh, find out about us, our contact information. We've got articles there. Pat McGuire is writing up a storm for us there. And we've also got uh, the hockey news. Uh, I am the site editor of the Sens page, THN.com slash Ottawa. Greg, enjoy your week, my friend. And we shall talk to you in our next episode, which will be coming out on Friday. Good idea. Thanks, Steve. Have a good night. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.